the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, this very special episode, we're also sharing it with our New Zealand motoring podcast listeners uh, because this episode is really focused around cars and technology together. So this episode, you're with myself, Paul Spain. And Damien O'Carroll. And we're in San Francisco. We certainly are. A beautiful, sunny San Francisco, it has to be said. Yeah, we've had, it's been a bit of, bit of fun here the last, uh, last couple it of days. It certainly has. It's been very interesting, uh, very, very informative and very sunny. So we can't complain at all there, really. Plenty of cars, plenty of technology and uh, special thank you to Ford for uh, arranging it all and looking after us. Absolutely. Um, now, let's jump, let's jump in. There, were, there was actually quite an astounding amount of uh, information that's been dumped on us <laughs> in various <laughs> forms over the last couple of days. Somewhat bewildering to a sleep-deprived brain after a long-haul flight, too. So. True, true. <laughs> um, so we, we, we started off the same day we, we arrived uh, with a bit of a, an intro keynote from Ford's CEO. Indeed, Mr. Mark Fields. Um, it was... A bit, <sighs> I'd say I was actually surprised for a start that you actually get the, the top guy appearing. Um, and he was, spoke extremely well on basically Ford don't consider themselves an automotive company anymore. No, it's just sort of talking of them as a, as a, Software. Uh, they consider and a themselves yeah, a, a mobility company. That's right. Mobility yes. solutions. Yeah. So, yeah. which yeah. which is easy to dismiss as uh, well, you know, bit um, overblown and dramatic. But then they went on to basically prove that a lot of what they're working on is in fact about keeping people moving rather than selling them cars. Well, I mean, he 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 did clarify and say, "Hey, we're you know we're, we're oh, still very much in the yeah. car business and yeah. so on." But it's interesting because there's been a lot of predictions, you know, in in recent times around how traditional car companies may well not be here within ten to fifteen years. That we've sort of got a a, a Kodak type situation coming, where the the, the changes are going to be so dramatic, the need for you know what we've had in the past will will really change. Absolutely, and it wasn't that long ago. I'm, I'm trying to remember whose name it was. It was one of the the um, luminaries of the car industry. I think it might have been Bob Lutz of Chrysler and, and Ford, previously of Ford, who's seen as quite a forward thinking man in the industry. He he predicted that there would be four or five car manufacturers in the world, basically, mm-hmm. in the next thirty years or so. I think it was. Um, and with the round of mergers we've seen in the last few years, and uh, you know, there's no sign that that's ever going to stop. So uh, it could well be a case where you have a, a, a few very large manufacturers not just selling cars. Now, we, we, when we look at sort of the things that were that were highlighted uh, in that in that initial keynote, in terms of trends, what were the things that stood out? For you, now we've talked about it a little bit before. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, you know, around this concept of uh, you know moving to a world where we've got autonomous vehicles, where the likes of you know Uber type technologies sort of mm. rule the day, and you know, of course, there's always going to be you know an interest 
for certain people and being able to drive their own vehicles and so on. But yeah, you know, really this move to you know shared vehicle type models and so on. But you know, all those those things seem to get uh, seem to get addressed, and you know, it seems as though there's not not too much of signs of you know you could have even looked back a few months and sort of thought, well, maybe Ford have got their head in the sand a little bit, but. There were there were no sort of indications of of that this week, were there? Absolutely not. And I mean, they um, as Mark Fields touched on in his keynote speech, they they launched a series of I think it was about twenty five experiments that they were working on earlier this year. And they've, they've, I mean, all of those were utterly fascinating. Well, it was a lot of what they were doing, but they basically have um, honed that down to to two sort of. Uh, focus points, I suppose you'd say, that they're going to be pushing in the future. And that is, uh, the first one obviously is um, what they call multimodal mobility or transport. Mm. Uh, and the other is, of course, uh, a more flexible ownership structure for cars that involves perhaps peer-to-peer sharing, um, short-term rentals, and, and maybe even non-conventional car ownership where you might own a share or you might pay a subscription or any of these sorts of things. So it was definitely, um, yeah, it, it was actually quite surprising coming from such a, a conservative and traditional company like Ford that suddenly they're pushing all this stuff that uh, the Germans had sort of previously touched on. BMW had, had gone the, the multimodal way by having um, sort of car sharing ideas and navigation that would take public transport into account as well in the cars and things like that. But uh, Ford certainly, with what they announced over the past few days, have, have leapt beyond that. Yeah, it's interesting because in in one sense they're focusing on an increase in population around the world and a talk about increase in mega cities, which they reference mm. as being you know, cities with more than ten million people, and and how that's growing, you know, very very. Yeah, quickly, and you know, I think the number was that uh, you know China's adding one of these cities every year. Something, yeah, um, you know, just com- coming on at a at a pretty quick rate. I yeah, think you know, two in the US being uh, New York and uh, and Los Angeles. Uh, but you know, with this increase in in, in mega cities, it does create all sorts of uh, yeah challenges from a uh, yeah, transportation perspective. And yeah, there was a there was a, a reference in our discussion uh, today with uh, Ford's futurist ar- around just how bad some of these traffic problems are, be- are becoming. And I think there was a there was a reference to was it Beijing? Yes, um, and a, a, eleven day traffic jam. A traffic jam that lasted for eleven days, which is <laughs> just. just- um, Beyond comprehension, really. So there's, yeah, there's really are some some genuine challenges, and yeah, yeah I think you know from a, a car company's perspective, uh, the growing population must you know be the sort of thing where uh, you know they get pretty excited because it's a chance to sell a lot more vehicles, yeah, you know, as does Coca Cola and <laughs> and anyone else that you know sells product on mass. Yeah, um, but then on the flip side of that, you know, we've got this move to the thought of smarter and smarter transport, Uber type situation where you just rent a car that you know when you need it and you get picked up and dropped off and when we have autonomous vehicles there's some sort of yeah mixed model whether it be uber or yeah some of these car sharing type uh, things it's it's quite fascinating now should we dive into a, a chat that we had around that peer-to-peer car sharing with a company that has actually partnered with ford and uh, has a car sharing uh, 
model happening right now in the US. And in London, I believe, too. All right, we'll jump into that one. Absolutely. My name is Patton Murphy. I'm the head of uh, business development and public policy from GetAround. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about GetAround. What is, uh, what's it all about and how does the partnership with Ford work? Sure. So GetAround is a peer-to-peer car sharing platform. So basically what we enable you to do is share your vehicle with other folks in your neighborhood when you're not using it seamlessly without having to meet and swap keys. So uh, what we do is um, we install something called Get Around Connect uh, onto your car, which turns any car into a connected car. So when you're not using it, you just can set a calendar to make it available. And a renter um, can actually sign up for free, just download the app, and you can um, rent, locate, and unlock the car all from the Get Around app. Um, so the partnership with uh, Ford Credit is really exciting because uh, we're actually currently um, live in San Francisco, uh, the East Bay, Portland, Oregon, Washington, D.C., and in Beta in Chicago. So we've partnered with Ford Credit. Um, Ford is reaching out to about 14,000 existing uh, Ford vehicle owners and encouraging them to share on GetAround. Uh, so it's a, it's a great partnership. It enables us to uh, reach a, a large community of um, uh, vehicle owners with high quality vehicles and it enables uh, Ford to learn about kind of um, the interest in peer-to-peer car sharing with, uh, among their existing customers. Right, so for existing uh, car owners then they're able to get some return back on their investment in terms of their, their vehicle and what's the driver for yeah, consumers to, or, or businesses to look at uh, yeah, using a car through get around rather than traditional mechanism, other mechanisms that have been around? Sure, that's a great question. So, yeah, from the owner perspective, uh, our, av- our owners on average in San Francisco are earning about $521 a month, but we have people who are making $1,000, $1,500 a month uh, sharing their, their cars. It just depends on uh, the type of vehicle, how often you share it, and, and you set your own price. Um, so it's a completely open marketplace. Um, so if, you, if you're looking at that, if the average is about 521 bucks a month, that means that, that you can almost make any car pay for itself. Um, so from the renter perspective, uh, GetAround is generally about 20% uh, uh, cheaper than, than traditional car sharing companies um, but in, in interest, on like vehicles. But then we also have, you can access vehicles that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. So you know, high, in the case of Ford, high quality uh, you know, Mustang convertibles and that sort of thing. Um, but also all sorts of like luxury cars and utility vehicles that um, you, know, you, could, you could think of. Great, and looking out to the longer term, sort of you know, ten, fifteen years out, we've got you know, more autonomous vehicles and so on would be no doubt part of the fleet. How would you see that looking? Yeah, certainly. So um, I'd say in the in the short term, what what you're looking at, right, is more and more people. Um, you look at trends of urbanization, and, and our cities are growing larger and more congested. Uh, shared use mobility is, is clearly uh, becoming a trend. So so get get around is well positioned um, in that in that short term with the car sharing. But in the same way that if if you can afford, you know, a a high quality, uh, you know brand 2015 Ford Fusion Hybrid, that same thing is true um, with Get Around if, if you know, the, all of a sudden the Ford Fusion Hybrid is driving itself. It means that when you're not using it, that vehicle can actually go pick up someone and deliver them home or um, you know, safely deliver someone from uh, soccer practice or something. Um, so I think what's important is that Get Around actually... Um, has currently we have obviously our own hardware that that enables us to turn any car into a connected car. Uh, the second thing is that we our software platform enables us to facilitate that service. But we also have uh, that entire network effect of existing members and existing uh, vehicle owners who are using our, our, our platform and creating a, a vibrant marketplace. So I think we're well positioned not just in the short term but in the middle and, and long term as well. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that's quite 
quite interesting. Um, I'd like to dive in now to the discussion around multimodal transport and Ford's work in the e-bikes. Now, this is quite interesting, oh, it isn't is it? It is interesting, and I, it was certainly not something I was expecting them to come out with. Uh, and as I sort of touched on earlier, BMW have, have already launched something similar in Germany, well, in Europe and in, in general, where um, the navigation will actually take into account the likes of public transport. So say you want to go from A to B, it'll navigate you to the, um, the, the railway station or the bus station and take you the rest of the way. And Ford have kind of got an, an extra step with this by adding e-bikes into the equation. The, the whole idea is they've, they've basically released three concepts at the moment. And where these came from was quite interesting too, wasn't it? Was. it? They, they did a, uh, a contest in, internally, I believe, mm. uh, and, and came back with, I think, uh, yeah, basically dozens of, of potential uh, options and then they whittled those down to uh, the best three, mm. and they're, they're all very different, these e-bikes, aren't they? Absolutely. Do you want to run run through them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first one is the, what they call, they've got stupid names, of course, which is, <laughs> I think, just par for the course. Um, the first one is called the Mode Me, which is a very small fold. It's basically like your folding bike or your folding e-bikes even that you get these days, and that's essentially what it is. It is a small e-bike that folds up, um, and it fits into the back of, well, they had them in Ford Fiestas in the boot of a small car. Very little wheels. Very, right? very tiny, tiny little wheels, but very cool little disc brakes on them too, which yes. was awesome. Um, Geek. <laughs> get excited about things like that. I'm a car nerd. Um, but anyway, the whole idea behind that was it was, um, oh, it was about, about 14 kgs, I think. I, I was talking to one of the engineers there. He said and that they had their aim was to actually get it down to about nine kgs. Yeah, because well, yeah. these were all prototypes, weren't they? None Absolutely. of them were actually released into the no, market. Although no. they they do look as though they're 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 ready. They were right? remarkably complete, and it would really not surprise me that within the next six months, even Ford would suddenly announce they're ready to put them into production because they were very, very complete. Agreed. But um, anyway, this, the mode, mode me was, uh, the idea behind that was you'd take your car, say you lived out in the suburbs, you drive your car to the bus depot or the train station, you hop on the, the public transport, that takes you to the inner city, you hop off that, you unfold your e-bike and you ride to work. Yep. Um, or they mentioned a similar situation, I think, where maybe you couldn't park Quite near to the, you know, to the Absolutely. public transport, yep. you ride your bike for, yep. you know, for even leave for, for that. But even no. leave the public transport side out of it altogether. That you know, you yeah, there was a mix of options somewhere there. Yeah, and um, of course, it's 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 not an electric scooter as such. It doesn't. It only assists with the pedaling. So uh, it's all app connected to your your smartphone. It's very and again a very very complete ready to launch to market looking app was attached it, to it yeah it did look that way <laughs> was, uh, there were there were one or two minor bugs but generally oh, yeah, it was absolutely. working quite well yeah. and there were some interesting scenarios that they uh, that they they shared didn't they i mean mm. one of them was um you know you can you can uh, I don't know, get a bit sweaty as you're riding your bike and as you're coming closer to your destination, um, it sort of it does a little bit more more of the work. Yeah. To, uh, I think because it, it was also cool that was yes, it was also um, 
because it was linked in with the Apple Watch, of course, which would monitor your heart rate, and it would sense when your heart rate was rising, it'd help you out a bit more. Yeah. So you yeah. wouldn't sweat as much if you were getting to work, which sounds silly, but it's actually probably a big barrier for a lot of people riding a bike to work or something like that. Yeah, but, you get to uh, work, you've got to have another yeah, shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep, so that that was interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and then what else did we have? Cause well, all- the, next, the next one was the Mode Pro, which was essentially a larger, almost a full-size bike. Looks very cool, this um, one. It, 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 it was aimed at couriers and delivery drivers as such, and it would become mm. a, it'd be like a permanent fixture in the back of the van. It didn't fold down quite as much as any of the other bikes. Oh, actually, I'm getting it mixed oh, yeah, yeah. up. This one didn't look quite as good. <laughs> no. Well, it looked quite cool. It was more functional. Yes. But the idea with that was, in a, a large city, the courier driver or delivery driver would take their, their van, which was, of course, a, a Ford Transit, as mm. they kept pointing out, you know, uh, being a Ford event, gets to a certain area where it uh, might become a bit congested. They could park the van up unload the bike, pop the parcels on the back and, and ride the bike the rest of the way. I don't know how many couriers would feel about that. You know, they, that's why they've got vans, surely. But, but well, and <laughs> and I mean, in the re- the recent um, drone demo that, you know, yes. we saw in New Zealand, you know, part of the issue was that the drone could get there a lot quicker than the courier van because mm. of traffic and mm. so on. Mm. Sometimes a bike can sort of, uh, exactly. you know, cut, 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 cut yeah. through. And so there might be some scenarios where where that that makes sense now. Well, particularly um, in big cities, the, the big mega cities that they kept referring to where, and even the likes of London with, you know, congestion charges and certain zones and things like yep, that. And, and on a campus, you know, getting around a, a big campus, yep. whether it's a, a university or, you know, a really large business. We, you know, we don't have so many of those scenarios no. in, in New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, I think of the, um, uh, the Googleplex, w- w- which I visited recently, and, uh, you know, there are bicycles there, so you can, uh, you can get around the campus on, on the bike. So, uh, yeah, assisted bike, if you're, you know, trying to get in and out and get deliveries done, is, is probably not a, not a bad idea. No, not at all. And especially just sort of plug slots into a, a special rack in the back of the van that, that charges it when it's not being used, so it's always ready to go. Uh, it makes quite a lot of sense. Mm. Now, of course, the third model was the was the latest model that introduced the previous two earlier on, but this one was the the latest edition. Was the Mode Flex, and, and this that, this was the one that I thought cool looked really one. really it, cool. It sort of looks like yeah. a almost got a bit of a mountain bikeish look to it, but it's it's a very cool road bike, um, and it's basically just for the more lifestyle, the, the sort of person who actually wants to ride a proper bike, a real bike full-size bike rather than a, a little folding one. But it folded down very cleverly too. It would quite easily fit into the boot of a, a medium to large car quite effortlessly. Yeah, yep, separated vertically. Yeah, yeah, very clever. And the way yeah. that the battery slid out, you fold the seat back and the battery slides out the top and you could actually charge it up on the cigarette charger in the car. Or oh, the 12-volt charger, it's not a cigarette lighter anymore, is it? No, not- no, no. <laughs> um and and that also you know had you know having being the bike with assisted pedaling the the example that they they gave there was um uh yeah maybe people of different ages going for a bike ride and uh you know the the older uh person in the group being able to keep up with uh you know young younger friends that may be a little bit fitter uh I believe mark fields called it the turn back the hands of time mode that's right yeah <laughs> Yes, he, he, was, he could happily keep up with twenty-five-year-olds on a bike ride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when he's about twice their age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought I 
thought, um, yeah, their 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 examples were were good, whether they you know relate to all of us or or not. Yeah, it's probably not so relevant in New Zealand as such, but I mean, it's still it's it's an interesting concept, and a lot of the tech even on the bikes, like they had rear sensors that would would uh, provide haptic feedback in the in the handlebars of a car pulled too closely behind you, and you know uh, you're about to get squashed and time to ju- jump <laughs> jump, jump off or get, it, get get out of the way, or yeah. at least turn around, have a look, yeah. and see what's about to. Uh, uh, Crush you and and now when that happened, uh, yeah, it gave the haptic feedback. It flashed some sort of lights, so there was a yeah. bit more of a chance. Yeah, yeah, maybe gave the you driver, a bit of a warning. The yes, it flashed, you. Yeah, driver seeing as well. What else was there in terms of haptic haptic feedback? Because well, there were some other uses called, of that. Well, yeah, yeah. What they what they called quite cleverly eyes free navigation, which was part of the app as well. Um, and of course, the idea is you've got the the smartphone on your on your handlebars there, and you can control everything. Um, the bike's got indicators built into it that you can turn on and off and things like that. And, um, but the, the eyes free navigation worked by vibrating the left or right handlebar whenever you were coming up to a turn. So I believe it was, it would give one vibration when a turn was coming up, um, three when you were virtually on it, right there. five or something when you were right on it. And yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, which, yeah, it was very, very clear. And of course it would Makes also, a lot of sense, also it? automatically activate the indicator on the handlebar. Yes. So. <laughs> getting, getting, getting lazy, but yeah, the, I mean, all, all, all three, uh, of the mode e-bikes were, you know, very reliant on a smartphone and, you know, yes, basically that, that was it's, the essential the uh, element, element for them to, yeah. uh, to operate. And, you know, I think what, what I liked about that is that it, it's sort of the opposite approach that that the Fords and so on of this world have been uh, have taken a lot of, in a lot of cases around the way their their car uh, you know technologies work yep. and by putting the smarts or as much of the smarts as you can into the app then it means the the you know the device itself in this case the the e bike uh you know in theory is going to have a longer a longer yeah, lifespan absolutely. It's not- because you can keep upgrading you yes. know the, the software out, outside yeah. of it and uh, and and get advances. Well, of course, that, that is the challenge that they are facing, even with their cars now, is that the technology's progressing faster than a car life cycle. So your car gets out of date quickly, and um, we saw a lot of examples of, of how they're attempting to combat that at this thing as well. But um, the thing that really sort of impressed me about the the whole connectedness of that bike was that yeah the whole the basically the your, your phone was the brain of the bike mm. and um it, it was actually i mean at the end of the day it's, it's so ford can keep selling cars let's let's be honest there all of this is about still selling cars but removing the barriers that people have to buying a car uh say they live in a congested city oh, no, i don't need a car I'll, I'll take the train well this is this is removing a lot of that argument mm. and that you can have the car, you can use it, you can go out of town on the weekend if you want to, but then there's all this, these other options I've got that they can, they can sort of remove that barrier. But, um, yeah, well, the app was very smart in terms of, you know, like, was. I live here, I want to get yeah. to, you know, this is where my work is and it's going to give you the varying methods of being able to get there each day that can use a mix of, you know, public, Public transport, your car, and your uh, yeah. and your and your e-cycle, and yeah. that it, you know it works to you know all those things sort of work together to give you uh, yeah a, a good result. So yeah. well, even as I was talking to one of the the Ford guys there and, and commented that the app, even without the e-bike, would be 
quite a useful standalone thing and he, he sort of he went quite quiet at that and then sort of quietly said well yes there has been discussion around that so that yeah that suggestion on launching a lot more than separately. just discussion yeah. happening around that so yeah yeah no there's there's certainly uh, fascinating stuff and it, you know it's i guess the you know the thing that pleases me is that you know ford and 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 other um automobile manufacturers are you know are really looking, you know, really looking into the into the future, and, and you know, trying to make sure that uh, that they're they're relevant and you know relevant sooner rather than later, and uh, yes. and all these sort of futuristic things. So, uh, good stuff there. Now, um, the tech type people amongst us, particularly software developers, uh, might be interested that uh, Ford have announced a platform called platform called OpenXC, which is open source hardware and software development platform. And basically what this will um, allow individuals and, and, and companies to do is to develop on, on top of their uh, Ford uh, vehicles. And so there's a standard uh, interface in yeah, basically all, all vehicles uh, mm. today that you can yeah, plug in and, and, and get information back from the, you know, the car computer. And, that, and that's been around for quite a few years, hasn't it? Um, so what they're, what they're offering here is a, a couple of standard module options and you can even build, build your own. Um, so they've got that open source from the hardware perspective as well that you can then interface in and, and do, do smart stuff. Um, you had a little bit of a look at that. Were there any any things you thought were sort know, of yeah, interesting with 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 the use of that? I guess it's <laughs> because it's an open platform. They, they I mean, they they weren't going into the, all the examples of things no. you could do, but they they chose one or two it, little it, bits. I believe it's actually been around for uh, a while. I don't know. I wouldn't say years, but certainly mm. several months because they had a. Um, Competition, I believe, a while ago, just a few open open days where they had people, developers come in and sort of yes, just work right. with it. And um, well, the one example they used there was the haptic feedback again uh, through the gear shift knob. That's right, the three three D printed little 3D gear, printed gear, gear shift, shift knob. knob. So, so you, you can, can do print, this in your home. Print your own gear shift knob, whatever shape you like. Out of that. And what did they do? Because they had the haptic feedback in it, but they they pulled the uh, um, the feedback. Uh, yeah, the, the motor mo- out of an Xbox controller. Motor out of an Xbox <laughs> controller. So they had hacked, just hacked yeah, together. It was a, literally just a, hack. a, it was, it was a few bits and pieces. Added some LED lights. That could uh, could uh, fire off in different yeah, colours to indicate yeah. different things, and uh, uh, was it a little light on top that would indicate uh, it what was gear you a, were? A display it had a number yeah. on it, so you knew it would show you which gear you were even gear in. in, which actually yeah. would be handy. It on, is. On it the is. Most have got it. Uh, well, got it the dash these days, yeah. but I mean something like that. And um, but it, it's it's a perhaps it was a bit of a silly little example, and that you don't really tend to hang on to the gear knob the whole <laughs> time when you're driving. But I mean. It could be easily translated up to the steering wheel or any number of things, but it was just yeah. a, a really clever example of what they could actually do with that system and, Very and how, easily. how yeah. open Ford were actually being with the idea of people doing that. Hacking they, their they, yeah, hacking they their want platform. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, good, good, good to see that sort of continued uh, development. Now, autonomous vehicles are something that. Yeah, I think is is really a topic people are That's, hugely interested in, and yeah. and you know especially here in uh, in California, uh, Silicon Valley area where you know there's been a lot of work on this. Uh, yeah, Google being the one that people hear about uh, mm-hmm. most often, uh, but yeah, Ford have sort of finally starting to come out with a bit of a different angle from what we've heard in the past. I think in the you know in the past. 
you know, we were hearing lots of comments from them around, well, you know, people, you know, we think people enjoy driving their cars. And I think we hear that from most of the automakers. Well, I mean, Ford even went a step further than that and and basically announced that they, they weren't even interested in, in chasing the whole autonomous vehicle idea until the technology was, I can't remember their exact terms, but they were just basically saying, no, uh, we're not going to waste our time with this just yet. Uh, and, and that clearly, wasn't too too long ago, was it? It wasn't that long ago at all, and clearly it was it was a smokescreen or something or other because they've they've sort of uh, progressed far too quickly in the last few months to have made the change their minds on that. They obviously were thinking at the at the time of what they were doing, but um, it was very interesting that a lot of the speakers they had there. Uh, I mean, very forward people, obviously, but as well as the people they bought in from the outside about the whole idea of autonomous cars and it, it sort of, then they, they would. What it could mean. What it could mean and translating to how, if we make these things too clever, do they become sentient? And then of course there's <laughs> yeah. all the, the Terminator comparisons. And, uh, it was quite interesting that it seemed to be quite accidental that a number of the speakers touched on the same themes, even had the same photos and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there were, there were, there was a whole, whole lot of, uh, speakers that Ford brought to the table. And what was fascinating for me was, you know, usually you go to these types of events and you're hearing very much, uh, a, a particular angle from, you know, that company's perspective. Mm. And in this case, Ford had brought in all sorts of other people with, with their opinions on, um, you know, on technology, on um, yeah, a, a broad range of sort of you know rel- related issues that relate to things that Ford are working on, whether it be environmental or yeah, wh- whether it be yeah the impact of moving into a world where um, machines and and vehicles you know pretty much uh, yeah Absolutely. do more and more of what we do. But the, the comparisons were, were quite interesting. You know, even uh, we went back to uh, you know. The, the earliest of, uh, you know, robotic type, uh, technologies, right? What was the robot. first example? The robot duck. The robot well, duck I, I, from oh, I wrote about, about 200 years ago. Yeah, that was, um, it, was, it was a very, very long time ago and it was the cutting edge of technology at the time and carted around to show important people in the royal family and, uh, it was, yeah, they, they was used as an example of, um, I think it was what, you know, we, we, we love the idea of bringing something to life, yeah. Basically, <laughs> uh, but there was also, you know, a reference to how you know we've been doing more and more automation, you know, over the years, and you know, even you know, references to things we've just taken for for, for granted. That's what a, I actually found quite interesting for a long time. You just forget because it's, yeah. it's just it's just normal. Yeah. But uh, the best example I actually thought of that was the one that brought up the the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah, a machine that washes our dishes for us is something that we're just so used to now, it doesn't make any difference. But, mm. um, and yet we're scared of a car that can drive us around. It's. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, that what they were highlighting was in, in general, we don't have the, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're further off and they, you know, they showed some, some, some examples, uh, of the, the recent, uh, DARPA robots that were falling over and so on. And, you know, we talked about on a recent, uh, New Zealand Tech podcast, but yeah, how, how, how mostly these, uh, automated things are, f- are focused on specific tasks. So, you know, you look hmm. at the robots that are used in, in factories to build our cars and that, you know, they're focused on being able to do, 
specific things. They don't, at the you know, end of the day, you know, walk off and wander down the street or do anything else. They're, they're, deal with they're it, in the, the factory the, the and, and, and they do what they're there to do and that's it. Uh, your dishwasher is the same, uh, you know, even down to, uh, you know, automatic gearboxes that we have, you yeah, know, today exactly. and that, and that uh, you know, change and for, you know, a, a long, long time, you know, I guess the the concept of an automatic vehicle was, you know, was really poo-pooed, but hmm. we're now at the point now where, you know, automatics outsell uh, manuals. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's just taken for granted that, that that's yeah. how it is. Yeah, well, any, anything, anything that automates pretty much any function in a vehicle is initially has been traditionally scorned and said that's terrible and we've still, I mean the most obvious example recently is uh, four wheel drive technology um, you still get your old school hardcore off-roaders clinging to the idea that you need mechanical diffs and low ratio gearboxes and you've got companies like Volkswagen and, and to a degree Ford but um, uh, Range Rover doing it all with the electronics mm. Uh, completely automatic. You, you push a button. In some cases, you don't even need to do that. The car can tell what surface you're on and adjust to it. Um, and again, yeah, of course, like I say, you've got your, your traditionalists saying, this is awful. It won't be anywhere here. What if it breaks down? Well, what if a mechanical diff breaks down? You're still stuck. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. But, yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're sort of facing, um, with with the, the uh, autonomous car idea as well, and by the way, the mechanical duck was it made in seventeen thirty six. That's pretty impressive. Okay, <laughs> That's so the, the, the two hundred nearly two hundred eighty years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> so and I mean, in the cars when we look over the last few years, more and more of these uh, you know automated features, whether you know it's just the car works out when it should turn the lights on or when it should turn your windscreen wipers Absolutely. on. Or it's smart enough to give you a little bit of an indicator uh, that there is, you know, someone in in your blind spot. Um, that, you know, there's there's just more and more technology that keeps uh, yeah keeps going into the cars, and you know, really this next next stage of completely autonomous vehicles, um, yeah, I, I'm certainly not so scared of it. But I think you know there were the comments how. Uh, you know, Ford see there being that interest. You know, first of all, from the the early adopter community, which yeah, you know, probably amongst our audience is a there's a reasonable amount that are you know quite keen and and willing to jump on board Absolutely. with a new technology yeah. before the broader general populace uh, would do. Uh, and you know, there's that audience, so they want to make sure they address that audience. But also, they're, they're really talking about the the broad general populace being able to have access to autonomous vehicles. And at this stage, the the you know the broader uh, or the, the 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 main companies that have been. Uh, you know, getting there with their autonomous stuff, other mm. than other than the sort of at the Google at the tech company end, has been you know your likes of Mercedes and so Absolutely, on, yeah, Audi. Uh, which you know and Audi, which are yeah. you know, less likely to be accessible to the yeah. to the broad populace. Absolutely. But by Ford making a play in this area, uh, you know, we know this will yeah this will just be available to to anyone that buys a vehicle basically. Mm. Uh, because they, you know, they, they cover, you know, down to the, down to the, you know, very low price points. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, um, <laughs> it's, I had a very good point there. I just lost it entirely. Shit, I was thinking it the whole time you were talking. Oh, that's, I'm going to say that afterwards. Uh, 
So, Damien, we're we're a Ford right now because you know they haven't uh, yeah they haven't re- revealed any specific dates. Yeah, they've made it clear. Yes, we're we're all in with uh, autonomous vehicles and with models of of sharing vehicles, ownership sharing, and and so on. Uh, but where are they at now in terms of the technologies? In terms of the technologies, I mean, uh, it's hard to say. They're, they're obviously fairly, fairly well advanced if they're talking about it. They're, they're doing something about it, and uh, I think someone mentioned at at one of the many speakers yesterday that within five years they expected to be seeing things like um, char- cars that'll do a lot more themselves. And that seems to be the general consensus in the, in the industry. I think that within five years, you'll see a lot of cars that'll handle the, the more mundane parts of driving. Typical, are, typical scenarios, but they're highlighted things like, you know, weather can be an issue if, yes, you know, suddenly, there's, there's still you know, lot, on, lot, a, on um, a dirt track yeah. with, with, you know, no, no visible track or if yeah. you're in, yeah, crazy, you know, snowing situations. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I guess there, there are varying scenarios that would fall outside of, the norm that you would expect a robotic device yeah, to know, uh, you know, how to handle it. There's always going to be circumstances where the person, you know, is, is ultimately going to have to be responsible for it. But uh, things like, um, I mean, as we're sitting here looking out at, at rush hour traffic out there edging along, that um, cars will be able to handle that within five years. Yeah, well, they're, and they're pretty they, much, they're, pretty they, much they, can, they can, can, can now, today, exactly. can't Radar they? Radar cruise control and, and um, so, you know, there's the centering, self-centering steering systems and things like that. Start, staying uh, in the lane, yeah. Yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, so yep, you're going to yep. be seeing a lot more of that uh, and also high-speed motorway driving, autobahn-style mm. stuff where it's just a constant, again, cruise control. With yeah, well, the steering. adaptive cruise control Ford have today is, is, is pretty good, isn't yep, it? Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. even uh, the way that uh, they're able to stop the vehicle for you if yep. uh, if you're about to hit something. Yep. I mean, they're all capable there are, of that. There are so many of the pieces um, that are already there. Now, what about the new stuff we play with? What, well, the stuff, how did you enjoy well, that? A lot of that, the, that the parking what, side what, of it uh, so on. Certainly a lot of the technology. I mean, this, again, is a lot of the technology that will go into water, you know, will contribute to the car being Autonomous is a lot of what we got to play with today. Um, not so much the what is it pro trailer backing assist. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of helpful. That was very though. cool. It was very helpful. It won't necessarily be uh, terribly part of the autonomous car makeup, but it was very cool in that it basically. Um, I've I've previously made fun of the system in a column I write, uh, saying that if you can't back a trailer, you know you're a bit thick, and um, that you shouldn't possibly be buying a massive Ford truck like the F one fifty if you can't back a trailer, and I. Got showed up quite badly today when one of the demonstrations they asked you to back a, a Ford F one fifty with a massive twenty foot trailer on the back. Of it was it. massive. And you could have put a nice boat on the back of that. Mm, yeah, you could have a, a very big boat, and I couldn't even manage to keep in the straight line. I have to admit, because it's just so. A <laughs> I did better at that one than you. I went faster and cocked it up. But anyway, <laughs> but the basic idea of the tr- the. Um, Trailer backing assist is that it uses existing technology like the backing camera, um, your parking sensors, and the electronic power steering. And basically, you put what it calibrates to your vehicle, doesn't it? It does. You have to enter the settings. I mean, to your trailer. Yeah, you have to enter the, the a few dimensions to your trailer and do a bit of a about a ten minute setup process. But basically, you, you put a black and white checkered sticker on your trailer that the camera can track. And then using a knob on the dashboard in place of the steering wheel, you basically t- 
turn the knob in the direction you want the trailer to go rather than having to turn the steering wheel in the opposite direction you want the trailer to go. Um, which sounds, I mean, it, it was actually slightly confusing at first when you're trying, you're still sort of stuck in the old mindset of looking out the window and using the but steering wheel. But it's auto adjusting the steering wheel for you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're yeah just, absolutely. You're, you're just, 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 you're just turning it off. You're saying, yeah, you're telling you it where you want to go. You want to go right. So it'll turn the trailer right. And there's the steering wheels doing all these adjustments itself. And it's very closely related to all the self parking systems that, that they also demonstrated there today that that's sort of quite common now. Um, but and of that, course, was, that was quite cool with that was quite control. Cool. Yeah, well, that was the other thing too, is Ford have taken the self-parking thing a step step further, much like um, I believe it was Range Rover just the other day released something similar too, and that it's a remote control parking system that you can control the throttle and the, the gears and everything. Well, not the gears, but the throttle and the, mm. the drop it into reverse or out of reverse from the key fob. And indeed, back the car into a very tight parking space outside of the car, and have it not run you over, and have it, it not run you. It's, all, yeah, it's got all the, front, the all right? the sensors. It'll stop in time, and it won't run anyone over. And it did lurch a bit at me today, but it didn't kill me. So that's the main thing. Um, <laughs> that that was a fascinating concept too, and that it, that's it's a, a step, you know, a big step towards the autonomous car. When you add all these little bits and pieces That's together that exactly they've got, what you get. Yeah. You're, you're, you're pretty close, aren't it's you? In, very in close. terms of when, yeah. because there are lots and lots of little features. And yeah, yeah they're generally used in, in isolation. Absolutely. But you pull those together yeah. and add a few more sensors and that, that's you know, pretty much biggest, your, your autonomous vehicle. Yeah, the biggest thing that would be holding the wider appearance of completely or largely autonomous vehicles back now is simply legislation and people's uncertainty of it. Once governments get to grip on how to, basically who to blame if something goes wrong is what we're struggling with at the moment. Is the driver still a driver if they're not driving um so yeah whose fault you know, is it ultimately when, someone's when, got to be in charge of the happens. vehicle and yeah. so uh it's 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 going to come down and then it's that's something that's going to be solved i would say fairly easily once because uh, there is a certain degree of public unease about the idea of unmanned cars you know cars driving themselves and uh but it still gubs down to personal responsibility the driver's still in charge of the car and uh it's not like we're going to be having a sleep well, the car drives us anywhere anytime soon. Not yet, not yet, but I don't think that's too that's, that's too, too far, far off, off because no. it's really, uh, yeah. The key thing is just the situation where we accept the fact that cars that are autonomous are safer than those Absolutely. that are driven by us. Yeah. And you know, when we when we get to that that point, yeah, I would have you know, I would imagine it won't take too long till we get to vehicles that may be. Um, well, yeah, may, maybe end up lacking the manual control capabilities. Possible. Maybe, maybe Absolutely. I'm dreaming to think that yeah. we'll 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 get to that point anytime soon. Because you know, certainly the, all of the autonomous things that are that are floating around at the moment, yes. uh, you know, you're very much in a position where where you can you know take over, you can Absolutely. stop the car doing anything. Uh, you know, and that's, too, that too is silly. actually a, a key thinking behind certainly Fords, and I know probably most of the other manufacturers. Uh, development in that area is that it, ultimately it has to be as soon as the driver touches any control, then it defaults back to the driver. Even the, the parking, the backing assistant today, mm. as soon as you touch the steering wheel, 
the system turned itself off and beeped it to just say, right, you're in control now. Whatever you hit's your fault. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of really the drill, the drill down on the autonomous side of things. And it's a topic that we're going to keep coming, coming back to because it is an area that is starting to, starting to move along quite quickly. And as you say, the legislative uh, side of it is is a key one. And I hope New Zealand can really, uh, you know, ensure that we stay reasonably at the forefront on that. So I think there's a bit of work that needs that needs to be done. There's there's even a probably a a slightly more pressing need for the New Zealand government to start looking at it because, uh, as I was was talking to you earlier in the week about the Southern Hemisphere proving grounds down the South Island, where a lot of manufacturers do a lot of winter testing. So it's probably getting close to the stage where they'll want to be testing driverless cars in New Zealand. Um, admittedly, on the proving grounds, it's not a problem, but then they do a lot of testing out on the roads outside of it too. So um, I don't know. They're, maybe they're, they're already doing. Maybe, maybe they're, they're already, already doing them something. on the, on Who knows? the proving grounds and <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. down there. Um, so yeah, I think I think some some pretty pretty interesting. Uh, activities still ahead, and you know, th- I think you know this is really the biggest the biggest change once the once we sort of flip over to that point uh, with vehicles actually driving themselves. I think it's you know that's that's a, a huge change. It's been a really long time uh, coming. There are obviously lots and other technology things that are, that are going on right now, and and all the varying things that that Ford and others are doing, um, yeah, shows us how yeah. What a sort of a hotbed of innovation um, the automobile world sort of is at the moment, but yeah, it's I think it's the autonomous stuff that's kind of cool and sexy. Absolutely. Everyone yeah. wants to. I mean, uh, I, I, wants to see. I, mean, I know a lot of people, a lot of motoring journalists like myself, are torn over the whole idea of cars that drive themselves because it takes it away from us. Um, but I'm all for the idea of a car that can drive itself as long as I can drive it too. Um, if I can go out on the back road and thrash it around and have a lot of fun with it, that's great. And if it can drive me home uh, after I've gone to the pub and had a few beers, then that's even better. But, well, that's um, going to need some law changes to, another, to, to, exactly. to make that's, that happen, that, right? That's a big, big, big thing there. But one thing that actually kind of um, did concern me slightly was something that uh, Ken Washington, uh, whose position I actually forget off the top of my head, but he was a senior forward development man yes um said how that ford are known for they they thrive on on vehicles making vehicles that are fun to drive uh and he commented that they need to start thinking beyond fun to drive and think about being fun to 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 be in um and i did tweet from the conference at the time that's fine as long as they don't forget the fun to drive part as well yeah 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 (laughs) dr ken washington he is uh, vice president of research and advanced engineering yes um very very switched on and yeah yeah we were really we were lucky enough to get in front of really some some pretty incredible people both from within the ford world and and outside and uh, yeah ford brought in a you know a whole range of speakers uh we heard from uh uh a a bunch of researchers and um uh, parts of the the hewlett-packard uh team we heard from them around their uh, new 3d printing technologies uh, that are coming through multi-jet fusion, which is really a big le- leap ahead <laughs> uh, compared to traditional uh, 3D printing that we that we have available today. 
Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed hearing about that. They, you know, they're talking about the speed of being able to print, about the printing materials. It could be translucent. Uh, it could be malleable. Um, they could be, uh, you know, all sorts of colors. Mm. Um, yeah, a whole range of properties that, that would be possible, uh, with, with this technology in the future. Well, the exciting thing too is they're talking about being able to change it mid, uh, print or mid-mold type thing so you could have a one color here and then another color and then another type of material almost printed on top of that and it was it was yeah yeah quite remarkable yeah it was pretty cool wasn't it It um they 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 had uh chief product officer from from 3d robotics they had genevieve bell from intel um one of those who I, i found quite fascinating was um alexis ohania co-founder of reddit so we, we did record a short chat with, uh, with Alexa. So should we just jump across to that one now? Why not? A couple of tips on people getting their startup from idea through to funding and mm-hmm. actually, you know, launching successfully. Yeah. Oh, the easiest one. This is the slogan of Y Combinator, which is make something people want. It seems really obvious. People are always looking for some kind of secret or some, they're over engineering it like make something people want. There's no number of stickers in the world or advertising in the world that's going to make something successful in this, in this age that isn't already fundamentally something people want. Um, it might work in the short term. Trust me, I can point to a list of startups that had their big launch parties with tons of celebrities uh, uh, and, and, and were gone within a week because they didn't make something people want. And, and that's it. It's really that easy. And it's it- hard. But it really is that easy. <laughs> What's the quickest way to, to test that? Uh, getting something to market quickly. Um, there is this, I think most startups, we convince, we certainly talk all of our founders out of it. Most founders realize this isn't like a Hollywood movie launch, right? The typical way to launch something like a, a film, right, is you build up buzz and marketing and hype for weeks, for months. You come on ready, do your AMA, you put out your promotional work, and you hope that first weekend wins. Uh, software is the exact opposite. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the things you might do, even if you were starting, you want to start the next nasty gal, um, the first thing you should do is just get something up, the minimum viable product, quote unquote, and just see if people want it, right? We, we have so few barriers to entry now, it really is just time and some really nominal cost, you have no excuse. And I saw something recently that said work-life balance shouldn't be in the mix when you're launching a startup. <laughs> what's, your t- what's your opinion on that? Um, I would have to agree, basically... I think it's, especially those pivotal first months, it's really, really important that you are focused on writing code and getting users. That said, you should still like exercise. You should still try to eat well. So to the extent that that is work-life balance, yes, it's important, but your friends will probably not see you a lot, right? You'll have to make sacrifices socially because, you know, you gotta, gotta hustle. Write code, get users. What do you think is the future of podcasting going forward? It is... It is obviously having a renaissance. Serial, obviously the r slash Serial podcast community was the sort of hub of so much of that discussion around that show. Um, But that's one of the outliers, right? That's one of the unicorns. The thing that is the bigger trend that's most exciting to me is that we will always have, until we're uploaded to the Matrix, we'll always have time, whether we're on a subway, whether we're in our car, where we are not going to be capable of consuming content that is visual, right? We can't, we really shouldn't be. (laughs) And, And there's... That combined with the fact that there is a kind of storytelling that is done with audio that is so much more intimate. And I don't think I'm just being nostalgic. Um, There really are. We've done interviews with people who would refuse to be on camera because part of what Reddit lets them do is like we had uh, well, we had this one woman 
who was a he who's transgender who gave an amazing amazing interview about coming out to this community on reddit um about bodybuilding of all things anyway it's a fascinating interview but she would not have been okay being on video just wasn't something she was comfortable with but felt totally comfortable telling that story over audio and it it has a kind of intimacy that not only made that story possible but i think frankly made it much better because it just was a discussion it really sounded like your friend just talking to you and uh, and it, it, it's that's always going to be valuable excellent well uh, interesting chat there with uh, with with alexis now there were there was a, a bunch more that we got to got to see in, so in terms much of uh, you know demonstrations and at uh, ford's research and innovation center but we we're, we're probably pretty much out of time anything else that sort of jumped out that you think that we need to uh, we need to cover before we wrap up other than that i think Vehicles are going to really be a hotbed of innovation for uh, for a good few years to come, and we're really just going to we're going to see all sorts of changes across the world of of transport, aren't we? And in, in, in so yeah. many ways, we're right on the edge of a very very exciting change. And uh, the way not only cars are made, but the way they're sold to us, the way we use them, um, and, and more things than, than I'm probably capable of thinking of. Um, a lot of things, there's so much more we could have talked about from this event these last few days. It's just been incredible. But of course, uh, on the, on the car side of things, I have to say on the next motoring podcast, I will be talking about the drive we had in the, uh, five liter GT V8 Mustang. And of course, the that was Ford, quite a bit of fun, which was quite a bit of fun. It's quite a cool car, and we also got to drive the Ford Edge, which is um, something that has never been confirmed for New Zealand, but is probably quite likely. It to seems be pretty, it's pretty likely, doesn't it's it? Very yeah. much a, a car that would be at home in New Zealand. So good. All right, so we'll look out for that on an upcoming uh, New Zealand Motor Podcast episode. Um, so hopefully, that's. I'm sure that won't be uh, won't be too far off. And we will have another New Zealand Tech Podcast episode soon. So this is sort of a, a I guess, a special sort of intermediary uh, episode before our uh, before our normal uh, next show. Uh, so you can track track us down uh, nzmotoringpodcast.com for the motoring one and nztechpodcast.com for uh, for the tech podcast. And uh, feel free to follow us on uh, on Twitter and uh, and Facebook. And Damien, what's the best uh, best way to track you down? I am at OversteerNZ on Twitter. Excellent. Um, nz is my website. And, of course, OversteerNZ on Facebook as well. Um, I think we should point out, Paul, too, that we were both experimenting with Periscope. At this particular yes, event a, too, so a few, few streams. I'm not sure if any of those will end up on 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 YouTube because they don't play out so <laughs> the, well the on YouTube in the yeah, vertical yeah, format. But at the time, it's um, it, it's something that's quite interesting. It's something that I will certainly be using more often in the future for for car events. So if you if you do follow us on Twitter, look out for that. Yeah, you catch up with those uh, catch up with those those streams, and yeah, you can you find out about um, other local podcasts at podcasts. .co.nz. Thanks, everyone. Catch you on the next episode. All right. See ya. Thank you. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.